0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello again and Happy New Year. This is an interim update about Untold, the Daniel Morgan murder. We can now reveal some of the redacted elements of Season 1. We have some news of a forthcoming trial and a possible public inquiry related to the murder, and some announcements about Season 2, which will begin in the spring. We also have a call to action for you at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned and do what you can for justice for Daniel. First of all, thanks to all our listeners and supporters for making Season 1 such a success. We were named Best of 2016 by iTunes Podcasts, received nearly 4 million downloads, and most importantly, raised public awareness of this most disturbing murder and cover-up. But there are some things we couldn't cover in Season 1. So, I'm now joined by my producer, Divya Mir, who steps out from behind the mixing desk for once.
1: Hello, hi Peter. Hi Dee. So, there were a few things from Series 1 that we can talk about now, that we wanted to come back and tell you about. And one of them was a journalist that we couldn't name for uh, legal reasons. Indeed. Well, we can say now who it is. So. Yeah.
0: So it was Mazza Mahmood, also known, quite famous as the fake sheikh. He, the he sort of dominated tabloid journalism for 20 years. What he used to do is famous for dressing up, often impersonating a sheikh, and entrapping royalty, famous music stars, everybody quite often trying to get them to buy drugs for him or getting them to expose their finances. Anyway, lots of stings. He claimed he got up to 200 convictions. But we couldn't name him because he was on trial. Yeah, you, can't, you, yeah. you can't name somebody up trial in British law because you may prejudice the jury. We can name him now. And obviously, as you know, you know he was intensely involved with, su- with Southern investigations. investigations. But we now know that he was involved from 1990 onwards. Right? He was trained by them, effectively, by recent fillery. And for the next 10, 15 years, despite him saying he didn't, he worked with them. And we have, you know, we have some great new stuff coming out about one of his big stings. Yeah, John Orford. John Orford, yeah, this um, child star who's a famous actor in 1997, who, for some reason, people didn't like him at News International, and he was set up by the fake
2: shake.
1: Well, we've got a lot to play you on that, but we're going to just play you this little taster.
2: Yeah, 97. It's so when the news of the world came for me. My personal manager, his name was Russell Emanuel, he got a call saying that this Arab sheikh wanted to meet me for this opening of a nightclub, which, which happened. I mean, it used to open three or four nightclubs a week, but it was to open up a, a nightclub in Dubai for an Arab sheikh, which was a bit different. You know, That, yeah, that, that yeah. sort of call doesn't happen all the time. And I didn't like it. My instinct and my antennas were tingling thought No, there's something wrong. Now, my gut's usually pretty good, Um, but I got talked into it. I went to meet in the Savoy, and I was called around the corner by his two security guards, and I remember them telling me the etiquette and how to react and how to behave in front of them. And that went off for a good 15 minutes to 10 minutes to talk. In hindsight, I look back and I should have realized, I should have done a George Galloway and smelt the, the aftershave and looked at the shoes and, you know, in hindsight. But I was i was literally, I, I'd fallen for a hook, line and sink. I bowed as I went in. I was very, very nervous. When they were talking downstairs about how to behave in him, him. I was saying, this is a very powerful man, you know, try not to look him in the eye too much. You know, the in- the intimidation was all there and it was too, it was all geared up to make me nervous and to make me scared. Before I'd gone in, we have got a conversation with him saying he's only a boy. He's only a child. He's a mere child. This will be easy. If he supplies, he's ruined, his career's fucked. He'll be banged up tomorrow and he laughs and they're all joking and stuff. And I actually say I when I walk in, I've never been so nervous in all my life.
1: So what's so important about Mazma Mahmood? Is this big? Is this important?
2: Yeah, it's really
0: important because what you've got to understand about Mazma Mahmood that he had very high-level connections. All during this time, He was working with Southern Investigations, including with Rebecca Brooks. There's witnesses who say he was on the phone to her four times a day. And so we have a direct connection between the murder suspects from one end at Southern Investigations and top-level management at News International, as it used to be called, including, some say, he would talk to Murdoch's themselves.
1: So he's actually quite a key player.
0: He's the link. He's another link. There is another one direct from this sort of The underworld, the underbelly of South East London and this detective company and very high end politicians with senior levels of the Met and senior management at Murdoch's British subsidiary.
1: There was another important element that we wanted to cover in series one, but we didn't have a chance. And that was the murder of Stephen Lawrence. So can you tell us about Stephen Lawrence?
0: Well, yes, it's very much connected. It was only six years after Daniel in the same area of South East London. He was a black teenager who was stabbed by a racist gang who happened to have underworld connections. And it's the same group of dodgy cops that undermined the original Stephen Lawrence murder investigation who were also on the periphery of the Daniel Morgan murder. And so that is going to be a really fascinating story because there's a public inquiry that has been on the Stephen Lawrence murder and yet more is still coming out. A lot of it leads back to that nexus of corrupt cops in South East London.
1: So there's definitely a crossover between the two cases, so we will be looking at that case in more detail in Series 2. Much more detail. Um, And of course, we've got the civil trial coming up in January, and this is really serious. Tell us who is involved in that.
0: Yeah, well, there is a civil trial between, would you believe it, Jonathan Rees, Sid Fillory, Glenn and Gary Vian, who are all suing the Metropolitan Police for damages. It's a civil trial, not a criminal trial. because They claim they were maliciously prosecuted and wrongly arrested in 2008 over the 5th Daniel Morgan Murder Inquiry. So that could bring a lot of disclosure and be very, very interesting. We'll definitely cover that.
1: We've got another bit of exciting news.
0: A book based on um, the first series. It's called...
1: Untold, and it's exposing the truth behind the Daniel Morgan murder out on the 18th of May. Hardback prices, 14 fourteen ninety nine, 99 and published by Blink Publishing.
0: Then it's myself and Alistair intercutting his story and my background research on basically what we're hearing on podcasts one and two.
1: Speaking of hacking, sir, we've had some experiences. Of- it's
0: been an interesting <laughs> few months, hasn't it? Yes. Um, well, I, you first noticed something strange outside my apartment, didn't you? Well, well, I, I did. did.
1: I, I did. I noticed these two cars, black, parked, no driver but a lot of aerials around it. And I did say to you, strange, you know, what are they? And you said that they were undercover police. police. Also, I thought something like that.
0: I thought and nothing. Because of... you live
1: opposite a fire, the fire brigade headquarters. So yeah. thought it was just normal. Dismiss
0: it. That was some time we were doing mm. the podcast, I think, in the summer. Then I had very good tip-off from a very senior former police officer that there was being surveillance being placed around people around this story especially around the recently launched 21st century bid for the rest of Sky. And I then rang somebody only in private security, a very, very well-connected person in private security, and asked about this company which had been named as being working, potentially for the Murdochs. And they said, well, what you've got to watch out for are cars, black cars with nobody in them, with lots of aerials. Which is is, what we saw, but but there's more to this than that. I have subsequently discovered I've been hacked. I was hacked three times the day, uh, three days after the Mahmood verdict. A colleague of mine who was also writing about this called Graham Johnson noticed a car parked outside his house, one guy in the front, one guy in the back with a laptop covered by a coat. He knocked on the window, they were shouting he's coming over, knocked on the window, said do you want a cup of tea? They said no. <laughs> then he asked them, are you private security or are you police? And they said, we're private, but we're looking at somebody over there and they drove off. So there are some shenanigans uh, going on around us, tiny, tiny, tiny compared mm. to the but suffering. But the hacking
1: is still clearly going on.
0: Well, well, we'll wait out to find out. Maybe we'll know more yes. come the spring when we do the next season of Daniel Morgan murder. And now for our call to action. Before Christmas, the Culture Secretary Karen Bradley announced a public consultation over whether the second part of the Leveson inquiry should go ahead. Well, this was a bit of surprise because many witnesses, including Jackie Hames from Crimewatch, who was targeted by News of the World over the Daniel Morgan murder, were always told it was obligatory and that her evidence would be heard once all the criminal trials had been completed. As he explained, for the BBC Today programme recently, Alastair Morgan always understood that Leveson 2 would be a backup to the panel inquiry that now won't report until next autumn
1: and if you look at the terms of reference of that particular panel yeah. they are very very similar strikingly similar to the terms of reference of leveson 2 in that yeah. the panel has been shot looking into the connections between private investigators police officers and and journalists what is it that makes you think at this point you want leveson 2 to go ahead when there is already a process underway yeah. that will hopefully give you some answers
2: The panel does not have statutory powers. In other words, it can't subpoena witnesses. It cannot order or force disclosure of material. And when the the Home Secretary uh, appointed this panel, I had in the back of my mind... The idea that Leveson 2 was going to go ahead and that if there were any outstanding issues that required judicial powers, then Leveson 2 would be well-placed to deal with those if there were any outstanding questions.
1: And so you're worried now that it won't go ahead because of this consultation?
2: I'm worried that they're trying to kick it into the long grass.
0: If you want to support Alistair's submission that Leveson 2 must go ahead, you have to act now. The deadline for public consultation is January the 10th. The best link for this is hackinginquiry.org website. Go there now and make sure the truth comes out.
1: Het is sale bij iWish.
0: Daarom nu de complete collectie merkmonturen van 2017 helemaal gratis. Kies uit topmerken zoals Bos en Michael Kors en u betaalt alleen de glazen. iWish Opticiens. Meer oog voor jou.